Hey, you're listening to Lifted On Air, a podcast dedicated to elevating hip-hop in Asia. For today's episode of Lifted On Air, we're super stoked to have our June cover star, Young Roger, here with us. The Singaporean rapper, who was previously an actor, debuted in 2018 with Mustafa, and he's just been leveling up with every new release. Just last year, in 2020, Young Roger caught the attention of Def Jam Southeast Asia. His latest single, Mommy, marks the beginning of his foray into the U.S. And earlier this year, Young Roger was even listed as one of NME's 100 artists to watch. He's the first Singaporean artist to do so. As a first-generation Singaporean Tamil, he's been repping both sides of his culture on the global stage. So we sat down with him today to talk about his musical and visual influences, the hip-hop scene in Singapore, his relationship with social media, and other things. So stay tuned for Young Raja. Hello, hello. Thank you so much for taking the time to speak with us today. And congrats on, well, a lot of stuff, but we'll just jump into it. I have a couple of questions for you about your musical influences, your visual influences, Singapore, your cultural identity, your relationship with social media. There's a lot to go through, so I'm just going to go ahead and jump into it. So in your Lifted interview with Shondi, you mentioned that it's always been a conscious decision of yours to make music in Tanglish, which is a mix of Tamil and English. Has this always been important to you um, since you first started making music in, I guess, pre Yeah, no, 100%. I mean, that, that was definitely a period of time where I was just trying to figure it out, right? Like, that from the time where I had the idea of wanting to do music or wanting to pursue hip-hop music, uh, for this matter, it was like, you know, just trial and error, what works, which direction can I go, what kind of an artistry can I build? And there was a good chunk of time, man, like a, a year and a half where it was just purely trying to figure it out. But during that experimental period of time, it was clear to me that if I were to disregard my mother tongue, like it's just not going to work out because it is not a, an accurate representation of how I am on a day-to-day basis. Like I spend equal amounts of time talking in English and in Tamil, right? So, you know, and the fact that it's, it's hip-hop as a genre, right? Like, it has to be you to a certain degree. At least in essence, it has to be an accurate representation of you. So, you know, it was almost uh, uh, like a non-negotiable. It, it came to a point where there was no other way for me to move forward if I wasn't open to the idea of being me and being as real as it can possibly be, which is to mix in my culture and my mother tongue and give give people an accurate representation of what I am, you know? So I'm a Tanglish boy. Like, I, I'm born and raised in Singapore. I, I speak Tamil at home with my family. And I can speak Tamil really well, thanks to my family. I'm first-generation Singaporean. My whole family came from South India. So that is my truth and is something that I'm very happy about and I take great pride in being able to share this truth of mine uh, thanks to some of the prerequisites for the genre as well because you know hip-hop is a genre like it, it has it demands that certain level of authenticity you know which is which is super cool um, thanks to rap I feel myself the most like I feel like myself the most now I was kind of struggling with my identity uh, when I was growing up especially in my teenage years you know Every time I'm outside of my friends, I'm like, I'm this guy. And then when I'm home, when around my family members, I'm like another guy. But music kind of brought everything together and kind of helped me understand 
what I am, you know. So that's that's something that I'm very grateful of. So so yeah, it, it was a conscious decision, and it's one of the best decisions. And I don't think I can do it any other way. <laughs> I I'm so sure that there are a lot of Tamil kids, especially in Singapore, that have probably been confused all their lives about mm -hmm. their identity. That you know, I'm sure your work is so important to them. And yeah, I Thank really you. respect that. Um, I'm curious about your musical influences mm -hmm. as, as well. Um, you know, growing up, you mentioned that other than listening to the greats like Biggie and Kanye and Lil Wayne, you also listened to a lot of South Indian classic hits that I would imagine that your parents maybe put on in the back. And are there any songs or artists in particular from that world that you reference in your creative process? And has that influenced your sound other than um, lyrically? Yeah, no, for sure. I mean, I don't know whether you've heard like Tamil songs, but one beautiful thing about South Indian music is that the music is very deeply embedded with the films. So we don't see much of independent artists from South India. Like over the last two decades, some of the biggest hits or the evergreen classics were all from the biggest, most iconic films that came out of South India. And one of the most famous, prominent uh, music director or musician is A.R. Rahman, and he's like the GOAT, like he is the GOAT, right? So every one of the songs, I'm pretty sure most of the songs that I've uh, listened to growing up, that, that I've loved gr uh, to listen to growing up, were all probably made by A.R. Rahman, uh, and, and a few other names, of course, but like there, there are a few prominent names like A.R. Rahman, Ilya Raja, where they just take on all the evergreen classics, right? They are, they are behind the, the hits. So... What, what came with the influence of being in a household that is non-stop, 24-7, always playing these Tamil channels and my dad is listening to, you know, only 96.8, where it's just South Indian Tamil music, right? It's playing all the time. And the influence for musicality and the influence for the understanding of the musicality, I guess, has been there for, for a long period of time. Um... I didn't know how much the influence was until I started walking on this journey of wanting to become an artist, you know? As I'm in the studio trying to explore what kind of uh, musicality I can explore, uh, express, or what kind of musicalities I can involve in my expression, right? Um, it, just, it just came so naturally, you know? Like all of, the, all of the things that I've heard before, all of the melodies that I've heard before, um, what I know, what gives me goosebumps, you know, like there, there's some very difficult to explain through words, right? It's like it's almost visceral because I've I've listened to these these kind of tunes for such a long period of time, like since I was a child, right? Yeah, it's like embedded yeah. in the fabric yeah. of your exactly, your, just, like just your brain, your your yeah. Like for example, language, like there could be a brain. '90s song that could play right now. I may not know the lyrics, right? I may not because you know it's been maybe 10 years since I heard the song the previous time, right? But I remember every part of the melody. I remember every like section of the song. I remember how it goes. I remember where it's going to go. I remember what, what instrument is going to come next. And that is the kind of impact South Indian music has had on me, which I didn't even know. You know, I, I'm, I'm, I'm thinking about it right now. Like, would I, would I have ever known, like, if I didn't become an artist? I don't know. We'll, we'll never find out. But it's, it's, a, it's a wonderful thing. It's something that I can always tap into for inspiration, um, for anything that musicality related. I feel like 
South Indian music is just so rich and so dense and it's so creative. Like, really, like A.R. Rahman is such a genius. And uh, all of the songs that he has made is just so iconic, man, you know. And the inspiration is endless, really. And I'm just so thankful that it is a part of my culture and I get the opportunity to, you know, take bits and pieces and kind of inject it into my own artistry. It's just, it's just wonderful, you know. How's it been um, being in the hip-hop scene in Singapore? What do you think of it? Are, are there any contemporary artists in your kind of era that you'd like to work with or you'd just like to give I mean, a yeah, shout out for, to? For sure. Like, shout out to my boys. Shout out to Faris Jabba. Shout out to Alif. Shout out to YHB Sleeps A Lot. Shout out to my brothers in Malaysia, Sona One, um, Joe Flizzo. These are my guys that I work with in my label, Def Jam Southeast Asia. But something that is really interesting about Singapore's hip-hop scene is that we've never had mainstream artists like this, you know? We've, we've had rappers before, you know? I mean, of course, there's rappers, Sugar Shay, uh, Lion City Boy, you know, Sheikh Heikel. These guys have been around, man, like, on, on the indie scene, just hustling, independent, doing the thing, uh, everything by themselves, like, mad respect goes out to them. Um, they kind of paved the way for artists like myself, but what we are really seeing here is the pioneering batch of mainstream rappers. That's what we're seeing here, right? Because hip-hop hip -hop and rap as a genre wasn't this widely accepted, especially in Southeast Asia. It was never like this. It was never this case, right? But because of K-pop and because of the evolution of the culture and because of how widespread it became, everybody started to incorporate hip-hop into their own culture and kind of started to give it their own spin and give it their own flavor and made it their own thing, right? So I'm one of those guys that is a practitioner of the new age uh, hip-hop that is fundamentally taken from where it originated from, like the original from New York, like hip-hop, that culture, but given the touch of, the, the Asian touch, like our, our own spin on it, right? So I'm one of those guys, and there's plenty of these, these kind of uh, rappers all across Southeast Asia. But specifically in Singapore, we are witnessing like a boom in the scene because we've had an indie scene for the longest time, but we have never had a mainstream hip-hop scene, right? Like four years ago, I don't, think, I don't think I thought it was a possible thing. Like, I didn't know if this was possible, right? Like, when, when I got signed to MO3 Records, when Faris and I got signed by Flight School, we had no idea if, if Singapore would accept two rappers from, you know, like, rapping in their own mother tongues, from the minority race group, doing their own thing. Like, would this be accepted on a, on a major platform? Would this be something that people enjoy? We had no idea, right? But it's been four years. People seem to like it, and... The next generation of artists, especially the younger guys, are seeing that it is possible, right? So the kind of change that brings is like, it's, it's huge. So what we are experiencing right now in, in Singapore's music scene is something profound as hell, I, I feel. We've never had a time like this where rappers are coming out and about and, and they are seeing the possibility of you being a full-time artist, right? A full-time rapper. This has never been a thing. Like, four years ago, when I started out, like, this was not a thing. Like, there, there were no mainstream rappers, like, that, that were signed by major, de uh, major labels and were releasing big singles with, with a crazy budget and all that. So, right? So, we had to kind of figure out and, and see whether is it going to be possible. Can a Tamil-speaking boy 
be a full-time rapper in Singapore? Can a Malay-speaking boy like Faris Jabba, right? Can he become a full-time rapper? We had to find out the answers ourselves. And four years later, what we are witnessing right now is that the next generation of artists are seeing that it is possible and they are looking at us and seeing how far these kids from different minority race groups can, can go, right? Like now, now there's... There's no, there's no glass ceilings anymore, right? There's no... Uh, people don't have to put themselves in any, any kind of boxes anymore. Like, it is possible. You can do this. It doesn't matter if... It doesn't matter what race you're from. doesn't matter what language you speak. If you're dope, if you're doing something original, if you're just doing you, there are people out there that will love and respect you for that. And that's what we're witnessing right now. And I feel like that's a major game changer because we've never had a scene like this. Now, we are witnessing a diverse scene in the making. There are different artists that are doing their own different things and this is the start of a whole new era for Singaporean artists. We're gonna, like, I'm very excited to see where this goes, like one, two, three years down the road. I wonder how many new artists we'll have and I wonder how many major label artists we'll have. I wonder if people from around the world will recognize Singaporean artists for what we are and like, and it will be a thing. Like, oh, you're from Singapore? Oh, you're a Singaporean artist? That's dope. You know, like how we do with UK or America or wherever else, you know? Yeah, so it's a super exciting time, man. I feel like I have, I have front, uh, front row seats, like courtside seats to, to witnessing. Yeah, I'm on stage, man. Like, it's, it's truly a wonderful thing because I'm such a huge fan of hip-hop as, as a culture, as a genre. I'm an enthusiast, right? So to see this happen, it's like, man... It's, it's wonderful. I'll forever remember this time, this this period of time. Yeah. It's so fresh. And yeah, there's just so much potential, especially with everything, with all the musical tools and technology being so democratized. democratized. You can be mm-hmm. like a 10-year-old kid still going to school and you can make beats, you know, in your room. Exactly. And it doesn't, there isn't that hierarchy that there used to be with labels. Exactly, um, exactly. The entry point has become very easy too. Yeah. You no know, thanks to social media and technology. Thanks to social that, media. You know? And if you're a kid that's just trying to rap or make beats, you can always reference like because of Spotify and the accessibility of music technology, you can you can reference tracks from the 80s, you know, you're not just stuck to what's given to you. I think that's really Yeah, exactly. Cool. Like inspiration is everywhere, right? Like you can really just go and find some this song on SoundCloud that this kid from Tennessee posted up that nobody knows about, but you could draw inspiration from literally anywhere yeah, thanks to the internet. from any time, any pocket. From any, any, any time, small, like, any pocket. town. It's, exactly. it's wild. Has signing, has signing with a label changed your creative process, though? Oh, I, I am very blessed. You know why? Because I didn't... I, like, I never had to go through the struggle of an indie artist, so to speak. You know, like all of my peers that have been in the scene for five years, ten years, you know, they do everything themselves. And so I have so much respect and love for their dedication to their craft and their their drive, you know, their hus- the hustle and the grind that they have is just ridiculous. I can never wrap my head around an artist that is taking care of everything themselves. The first step I took into the industry was with my brothers, right, Fly School, Shoria, Faris, and we started off in an indie label called MO3 Records. But soon after I got signed, we got into a joint venture with Sony Cartel from Malaysia. This was four years ago. So that was a major label parent company that was kind of like our, the, the infrastructure that we needed to kind of, you know, execute the releases in a way that 
we thought would be dope, right? So, you know, Mustafa, the way Mustafa came out and the kind of noise it made, the, the, the way Mad Blessings came out, like everything was only possible because of the setup that we were in. And that was from the very beginning of my career. And that's the path that I've been walking on, which I am super grateful of because I have the same core team that I started off with till today. So MO3 is, is no more, right? So we, we, no, we don't have MO3 records and Sony Cartel anymore. Now what we have is Universal Music Singapore. We have Def Jam Southeast Asia. And the the beautiful thing is I'm still with my core team. Like Flight School is my A&R now. He used to be the label owner of MO3. Now he's the A&R of Universal Music. Like Theodora used to be my manager at MO3. Now she's the business development head or something at, at UMG. You know what I mean? So I still have my guys with me. That, that, the, the level of um, trust and, and the synergy that has been built over the years, you, you, you can't, you can't fake that. You cannot. Um, you cannot just try to quickly come up with a synergy. Like it takes time. It yeah, takes time. It takes time it, to you build. have to really exactly, you have to, you exactly. Have to have the same vision. Yes, and everybody's on the same page, on the same frequency. And you, when you build something from scratch, with a few good people, right? The the energy is just different. So I'm in a major label, but I don't feel alienated i don't feel like i'm with people that are just business minded and uh you know telling me telling me to do things that are that are not in my best interest it doesn't feel like anything that people would talk about when it comes to major labels and whatever negative stigma or stereotype that major labels could have i'm not in that situation i'm in a major label but i'm with my day once so the kind of moves we can make the kind of things we can do is just the sky is the limit, you know, because everybody understands where we came from, where we are right now, where we are trying to go. So it's, it's I think, a I think that chemistry remarkable process. really shows in your music videos, actually. Like, you can, you can tell that you're having fun and you're not just <laughs> making a video to make a video. Yeah, I mean, shout, I mean, speaking of videos, thank you. Uh, Got to give a shout out to Jasper from Bad Vibes. He's been my day one as well, like... From Mustafa all the way till now, he's been the visual genius. Fine. And Flight School, he's been the sonic genius. And I'm these are my closest collaborators. Here I am, this Tamil boy, <laughs> taking my first step into the industry, don't know jack shit. And boom, I have guys that are champions in their field fields. They have spent 10, 12 years perfecting their craft and they somehow became my closest collaborators. Like, I, I didn't control that. That just somehow happened. And I'm, that, that's the reason why I'm so grateful, you know? There's so many variables that if one small thing was off, one degree to the left, it wouldn't have panned out this way. Yeah. So I have utmost gratitude to how everything panned out and where we're at right now and all the, all the different phases that we have uh, crossed in the last four years, you know? I would imagine that since you've had the same core team since the, the beginning you know all of you have matured and grown artistically that maybe as the years go as the months go by all of you will have more space to explore what you want to do that's art that's kind of like greater or a further step like is there anything that you want to do other than performing live or writing and recording more like do you want to direct your own videos do you want are there other legs of you know, being an artist that you want to explore? Oh, for sure. You know, like, I started off 
as a child actor. I don't know if you know this, but when I was 13 years old, I started off in Media Corp and, you know, appearing in all these little uh, TVCs or films or whatever, like small roles. Yeah. And that was really my first love. Like my first, the first time I ever felt anything close to what I'm feeling right now, which is uh, like right now, my passion level is like the max, right? Like I'm doing what I love every day. I guess I am super passionate on a day-to-day basis right now. But like the first time I ever felt what passion feels like was when I was 13 years old, when I went for an audition and Gurmit Singh was like, all right, I'm picking you. And I was top 10 in this open casting call. I was selected to be in Fighting Spiders. I had one line and I probably was on screen for like 10 seconds. (laughs) But that made me feel... A little bit, a little bit of the spark that I feel now, mm. you know, making music, putting putting it out, sharing it with the world. So that is my first love, actually, like acting and being in films like that, that in whole industry. And ever since I started doing music, kind of had to put all my marbles in this and like just make sure I'm 100% dedicated, no one leg in, one leg out, that, that's not going to work, right? So for the, four, for the past four years, I've been fully locked in with music. But I don't see myself as somebody that is just going to be a rapper, just going to be this guy that's making music. Um, it's one of the things that I love doing. Like, it's, this is one of the things that I love the most doing. And I feel that I have other things that I would love doing as well. You know, be it acting, be it uh, working on a short film, directing a short film, even directing my own music videos. I um, really don't see uh, anything that I won't, uh, have my hands on, you know what I mean? Like in yeah. this in this industry, yeah. I've I've spent the last twelve years in this media industry, you know, doing my thing, you know, being being an artist, trying to be an artist, and all that. So, I am super open minded, and I'm super excited for whatever that's, you know, lying ahead of my team and I. And yeah, just uh, just excited to see what comes and how we can keep on elevating you know because that's what it's about right yeah it's about elevating and pushing new boundaries setting new boundaries pushing to greater heights yeah setting new presidents right so whenever the opportunity comes it's about how can we execute um the the perfect not perfect but like how can we execute the best way we can when a new opportunity arises like if somebody calls me and say oh young raja would you like to direct this or that would you like to write for this or that how can we do it in a way where it sets new precedents, like what you mentioned. So, so I'm I'm super uh, attuned to whatever that's lying ahead. I'm always looking forward. I'm always, uh, you know, on the go, on the move, never never chilling. You know, so so yeah. Do you think there are dimensions of, you know, your acting career that you've brought into your work as a musical artist? Like I'm imagining the performance aspect. Yeah, no, for sure. Like, I spent so much time as a, as a child in front of cameras and in front of people, right? I have no fear. I have no fear. Like, I, I guess I can say my skin quite thick, you know what I mean? Like, I don't care, like, if people are looking at me. I don't care if I'm making a, if I'm making a fool out of myself. Like, you know, like, being all goofy and doing the wiggly dance or whatever. Like, I really have Great zero... Dance, by the way. Oh, thank you. Thank you very much. <laughs> like, like... I, it, I have recognized that my comfort in front of the camera and my comfort doing music videos definitely comes from all the time spent into uh, spent in acting, right? Yeah. In in the media scene, you know, being in front of the camera, doing whatever whatever work that I that I had the chance to be a part of, right? I guess that those years, those eight years, kind of prepared me or primed me 
to be this kind of an artist, you know? Yeah. Like fearless. Under the super, spotlight. Super like bold. Visual. Yeah, like I, yes, visual and just completely unafraid of what somebody else has to say. As long as I'm having fun, my team is having fun. As long as we are enjoying the process because that's what it's about. As long as we are enjoying the process, it doesn't matter what somebody else thinks because everybody has their opinions regardless. Like you can be Justin Bieber and somebody can tell you that you're shit. You can be Kanye, you can be Nelson Mandela. Like it really doesn't matter, right? You can be anybody and people will have opinions. So I guess these years that I've spent in the media industry kind of primed my mindset in a way where I understand what is the most important thing in this entire process. Yeah. And the most important thing is, are you having fun or not? Because yeah. if you're not having fun, then go do something else. Go be in an office or something, you know? The yeah. whole point of building a life that stems off your passion, the whole point of trying to build a life that surrounds or is built off what you love to do is to do what you love to do on a day-to-day basis for as long as you can. So... Yeah, so if, it's, if anybody's listening to this and they're an artist or they are a freelance, uh, you know, doing, you know, if you're doing what you love and you find yourself in a situation where you're suddenly not enjoying what you love, you really have to rethink where you're at and how to fix, and fix the situation and bring yourself, realign yourself back to the passion and the, the, the energy that you feel when you do what you do, you know. I think it's funny. It's like your acting career was made for you to step on so that you could step on to the next, um, like being an artist. It's it's perfect. And it's not like you have to abandon it. You can always go back to it. And I I think especially in 2021, if you want to be an artist and you want to, you know, play the game, you have to be so, so visually bold you have to be present yeah. online. You can't just hide away and work in your music and not, you know, be, be afraid yeah. of what people think. Um, it, I saw in a recent Instagram post you were talking about your relationship with social media and how you found that mm. it's been feeding kind of this uh, unhealthy desire to, like, seek validation online. And yep. um, what, what, what is the side of you that you wish to share with your your audience more openly that you haven't before? What is the change that mm. you want to make in terms of how you present yourself online? Well, I've had a long, long thought about this. And it, it hits me every once in a while. It's not the first time where I've felt these feelings. But I guess the, the most recent video that I made, it was, it was the strongest that I felt about this, right? Yeah. So, you know, ever since I started walking on this path, you know, I've been in a 360 deal in a major label, right? Your social media presence is directly connected to the outreach that you have when your songs come out, right? Yeah. Your social media presence is direct, directly linked to how many people listen to your songs. And how many people listen to your songs is a very, it's a, it's a non-negotiable variable, right? You've got to make sure that as many people are listening to your songs. So... Yeah, exactly, because that, that's what a 360 artist does. Like, if, if, if I'm not thinking about this, if I'm not stressing about this, then I can just be an indie artist, make songs from my room, and just really not care about how the numbers are doing, how the stats are looking like, right? But I'm not in that situation. I'm a major label artist. There's dollars and cents going into my brand and the marketing budget and all that. And at the end of the day, it's a business, show business, right? So I guess because of the fact that I've been walking in this path, 
from day one, I've, I have, I have um, put great importance to how I portray myself to the world, right? Like, kind of curating almost, right? Curating what posts will do well, what kind of content I should post up with the thought of getting maximum engagement. I've been doing that. Well, there's nothing wrong with that, right? It's been working out pretty, pretty great. Like, for me, for the last three years, it's been, it's been working in my favor. It's been helping me move to better places, you know, it's been helping me push to newer heights with every release and all that. So that's fantastic, right? But I guess what has been happening is that I've been getting trapped in that thinking of, oh, I shouldn't post this. I should only post this other post because I know this other post will do well uh, than this other post, right? Like I started thinking in a very skewed perspective where I don't think about what do I actually want to post, but I start thinking about which post will do. Being a major label artist is, is very much, you know, you have to be attuned to the concept of show business. You have to understand that it's two separate things. There's show and there's business. There's the artistry side of things and there's the, the money side of things. And if you, if you are kind of lopsided with your attention or dedication to any one of these things, then you kind of create an imbalance that will not work in your favor. That's 100%. Like, if the label is putting X amount of dollars into your, into your music, but they're not getting any return of investment, then you're not a good investment. That's just, that's just how it is. And this is a perspective that not many people understand because not many people are signed to major labels here. Like, everybody's kind of, kind of a, they have a very skewed image of what labels do and all that. So let's not get into that. But, like, this is, this is the reality that I've been presented with, right? So I have to, I, it's my responsibility to take care of how well my brand is doing, right? How much my brand is growing is all, it's entirely up to me, right? I, I get to decide what kind of content I want to put out, um, what kind of creative, funny, smart content that I can generate that can potentially grow, help grow my brand, which will potentially help with the business side of Young Raja as the artist, right? So, you know, sometimes when you are, when you are super locked into the micro, you don't really see what kind of uh, what kind of skewed perspective you get into, right? When you when you get too into the nitty-gritty details of trying to make something work, you can get caught up in all that jazz. So that's kind of what happened to me because initially I, I would always think like, okay, you know what? I'm going to post this thing because I know this is going to do well. And if it does well, that's fantastic because my engagement will be up and my numbers will be great and that will be amazing for brand engagements, different campaigns with other brands or whatever, right? So this has been the thinking and it's not a, it's not a wrong thinking. It's all good. But here's, here's, where, here's where it gets real uh, messy because if I'm putting all this thought into what goes on my Instagram and let's say it doesn't do well, now I can't help but to feel shitty about it because... I am thinking, now I start to think, okay, where did I go wrong here? Like, I, I mean, this has been working out. The, the kind of thought and, uh, and attention to detail that I put into this particular post, if the numbers is not reflecting according to the effort that went in, did I go wrong? Like, was that, was that something that I didn't do right? So I start to go in this right. hit, very negative headspace. It's almost yeah. an analytical, right? It's, it's very analytical. I'm just trying to learn from every post because 
Yeah. My goal is to maximize each post and to grow the brand. That's the goal. But yeah. it starts to get really unhealthy if all I'm thinking about is the likes and the comments and the engagement for the sake of stats, for the sake of growing the brand. Yeah. Like that, That's ridiculous. Like It's just a very warped mindset that I w- never want to get into, but I didn't see myself yeah. getting into it. It was just over a span of a few years when I it's, realized... It's like what the app is designed to do. Yes, yes. And when I realized it was like it too just, profound... You just was, equate... Yeah, like yes. my self-value... You equate your self-worth. Yes, exactly. Which was ridiculous for me because... Person, yeah. You see, I have spent so many years like struggling to be where I'm, where I'm at right now. I, I truly enjoy my life. My life has so much meaning and fulfillment and passion and joy, right? I've suffered for so many years to be where I'm at. It's just so ridiculous to think that I can allow myself to question my self-worth because of likes. That's ridiculous. That's, that's fucking... That's the most Yeah. And for the most thing. part, it doesn't have anything to do with the music. Exactly. Exactly. So I had to kind of just reshift my mindset, realign my mindset into what is the most important thing here, you know. So, yeah, it was just a change, a, a nudge in perspective that I felt was quite profound and... Yeah, it's just, I'm glad that I got to share this with you because it was something super personal that I've been going through. Um, I've to my, spoken about this to my peers, to my family members. And turns out a lot it's, of people relate to it. It's such a real to problem. It. Yeah, it's so weird. Like no matter, even like if my you're sister, not an my artist, nephew, everybody relates it, to it. The app, the app has successfully, you know, yes. chained our brains to this weird Changed. logic yes. that your self-worth <laughs> is equated to that. Exactly. It is really weird. That's that's the re- that's the reason why I wanted to speak about it, you know. Like I would have just very well not made that post, but I felt like deep deep within my heart, I felt like people would relate to what it is that I'm saying here, and if they can relate to it, perhaps we can make the conversation louder. And if we can make the conversation louder, perhaps the next person that is going through the same thing would not have such a difficult time trying to understand what it is that they're feeling, you know? Because I spend a lot of time thinking about it. So, so yeah, that's the, that's the idea behind that post. Yeah. Thank you. I, I remember when I saw it, I was like, I can't wait to talk to him about this because <laughs> I think about it a lot as well. Right, yeah. Um, okay, off topic. Mm-hmm. Well, not off topic, but next topic. Mm-hmm. Who are your fashion icons? Really curious. Fashion icons. Because um, I love the way you dress. Thank but you. what influences... It doesn't have to be a fashion icon. It can be like a, 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 a director even yeah. or a movie that influences the way you present yourself. How would you describe your style? For sure. I mean, the, the idea behind how I approach fashion or my outfits or how I present myself is bold fearlessness, right? Bold and fearlessness. And these two terminologies stem from the understanding of how much another person's opinion doesn't matter, right? So mm. in, that, in that school of thought, let me say the name Dennis Rodman. Like, Dennis, if there was any human being in this planet that just didn't give a shit about what anybody has to say, <laughs> it's Dennis Rodman. He just did what he loved. And this was way back in the days when fashion wasn't hadn't evolved to where it is now, where, you know, it's just really, it's, it's almost like, it's, it's so fluid right now, right? Like fashion has become this thing that can bend anyway. But back in the 90s, Dennis Rodman was the first to do it. So people like Dennis Rodman, people like ASAP, people, um, um, 
Steve Jobs, like the, the, the list goes on, right? Like they have a style that they think is dope and they don it all the time. And, and that's just what it is. It's like expression. And the, the reason why I, okay, but maybe not so much on, on Steve Jobs. Like I, I have always looked up to Steve Jobs' <laughs> outfits because, because he wore the same thing. He wore the same thing yeah. every day. And only way later, I found out that that's a billionaire's thing. They don't want to waste time choosing what they're going to wear and all that. <laughs> I, d- I didn't know that. But I, I've always thought it was mad cool that he's rocking his turtleneck and people are clowning him yeah. for his new balances but or his, his same outfits or whatever. But he, it's just him, right? Like Dennis Rodman, he's, he's going he yeah. to do this and that to his hairstyle and his nails and his piercing. That's him. Like Travis Scott, ASAP yeah. Rocky is, is them. Right, and I love and I love that. I love that concept of having no fear of an, of someone else's judgment, and that is where I see myself too. I don't see myself as like this guy that that wears all these high fashion clothes only. Yeah. This guy that wears this particular style only. Like I really don't see myself in any of these boxes. I am a guy that loves to wear whatever I love. Like I just I would literally wear a crop top if I like it. Like I would literally wear some super crazy shit that wouldn't my mom may not be happy with, you know what I mean? <laughs> like like if if I like it, if I like it, I'll wear it. And that's the kind of person I've yeah. always been. I've I've always been thick skinned enough, right? Just just the right amount of thick skin to thick skinness, right? Like to, to not be uh to not judge myself and to just where dawn yeah just be right just be yeah. whether it's painting my nails or whatever like i f- i find great joy in just doing me yeah it's it's uh it's something that i would love to uh give attention to because a lot of these kids um don't really have somebody to look look at when it comes to mm. especially the southeast asia region i, I mean yeah. I'll, let's speak i'll speak for singapore right like we don't have that many people to look at and be like, okay, that is that person's free. Th- yeah, I that that, be like that them. person that person gives zero shit about what yeah. I would have to say, and I, I I've never seen um, artists like that growing up here in Singapore, and I've always wished there was somebody like that here in Asia, and this is the kind of artist that I've always wanted to be. You know, it's just an yeah. a, an amplification of who I am. Like for real, like Rajit. That's my yeah. real name. Like that's it's Young Raja is like just like on steroids, right? <laughs> it's like Rajit <laughs> times thirty or forty. Like th- th- that's just how I see it. Yeah. I love that. Um, that made me think of that Nina Simone quote where someone asked her what freedom means to her, and she just says, "No fear." Yeah. I think about that often. I love that. With Mommy being your first single of 2021, it really, you know, set the precedent for what I imagine is a lot of really cool shit to come this year. Um, are there any hints that you can drop about it or tell our audience that lifted a little bit more about <laughs> Just to give us a heads up. Well, we're currently, like, as we speak, as we speak right now, we are, we are in the middle of planning and preparing the next single. And I'm very excited to share with the world. This 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 song is something that I can't talk much about, but all no I can say is that all. it's my fifth single, and I've had the pleasure to work with no 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 hands at all, no no hands at all. But what I can say is, I've I've uh, 
collaborated with my closest brothers on this record once again with Flight School, with Rhythm, with Jasper on the visuals. And everybody that's listening to this or everybody that's been kind of following my, my career and have been subscribing to the kind of art that we have been put we have been putting out over the last couple of years. Um, a real treat is on the way, I would say. And the second half of the year is going to be way more exciting. I understand that there's been a lot of uh, um, dissatisfaction almost from, from some folks that I've been just putting out one song a year. And that is just going to change forever moving forward. That's all I'm going to say. That's all I can say. <laughs> That's good news to me. Well, uh, that's a wrap. Thank you so much, Young Raja, for taking the time today to talk to us here at Lifted, for Lifted on Air. Um, our eyes Thank are you. peeled for the next releases, plural. And to our audience, we've got a full feature on Young Raja that's up on LiftedAsia.com. He is our cover star for June 2021. And yeah. Thank you for having me, Cheryl. This has been a very wonderful podcast. I really enjoyed myself. Oh. Lift it on air.